I'm Wendy Hartsock, science and peptide enthusiast. In this episode of Exploration Science, I met up with Dominic Sarma and Oliver Reinman, co-founders of Balintic. They walk through their peptide easy clean or PEC technology and its applications from discovery through manufacturing of peptides. They also talk about the process of starting a company together. Again, thank you both for, for doing this. It's, it's going to be fun. I, I love the story of Valentic. Um, you know, I actually, I, I think I put a LinkedIn post about the webinar that um, one of your scientific co-founders, uh, Robert Zitterbart, <laughs> put out um, with, uh, that was a Bachem, right? Talking yeah. about the story of, of Valentic. But, but maybe uh, you guys could just quickly talk about how you know each other. Great. Yeah, so um, Dominic, Robert, and I actually started studying chemistry together um, here in Berlin, in Germany, at the Humboldt University. Um, it's already quite some years ago, it was, I think, 2005. And uh, yeah, actually started as a, as a friends and study group. And, and then after um, some study years, I think the, the, the ways have kind of separated from from one another and one went on to, I think Dominic, you went to Spain for a while. Robert did his diploma thesis in the US and I went um, to another institute later on and uh, did my PhD also in, in the Leibniz Institute. And then for, after a while, all of us came, came back together and uh, um, did kind of a brainstorm on where our competences that we uh, were working on also in the PhD time um, had a good overlay and this was in principle what we came up with was that Robert and I used to work on peptides and especially new chemical linker entities to connect peptides with other molecules or to even purify them and uh, Dominic uh, was working on let's say had, had a lot of experience in the field of material based chemistry so this is in principle where the ideas merged and we came up with the idea to, to, to try something by our own. And in the end, with this idea, we applied for a program in Germany to drive out uh, innovation from the university towards the market. And uh, with uh, only, let's say, a couple of exper experiments uh, directly in hand, uh, we got gr uh, this grant, which allowed us to um, develop Valintic for 18 months to, uh, until the point where we incorporated the company in 2018. Wow, yeah, that's awesome. Let me ask I a question. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Dominic. Uh, I just wanted to add that before we, we actually uh, call ourselves EnviroPet. Oh, okay. the, the precursor of Valentic was EnviroPet, but uh, when we founded the company in 2018, we changed the name um, just to have like a, a more generic name that's not so much connected to, to you know, peptides. I mean, we're doing peptides mainly, but the linker has many possible um, applications. So we were trying to find a word that's, that describes in a, in a little bit more broad sense of what we do. And so Berlintic is like Berlin uh, linker technologies. I was wondering, all right. 
Nice. So I have a couple of questions around that. Um, one is, how did you get together and, and formulate that name? Was that another beer session or was that, uh, like, I, I'm just curious to know how that creative process worked. The, 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 the idea and then the name? Mm -hmm. Well, the name, so much. I was really interested in the name. Uh, the name, yeah. Actually, so we were, we had this name in Viropet. Yeah. And um, we were thinking, okay, it will always connect us to peptides, right? It's, it has this, this part of peptides in it. And, and we wanted to have just a general, nice sounding name. Mm -hmm. And so we decided first to change the name. So that was the first initiative. And then we came up with, I think Andreas, one of the co-founders, he managed the workshop. I think it was, was self-organized and he, he did some games where we started writing names and then, you know, we passed it to our neighbor and then we tried to um, extend the name. And then we ended up with a list of 10 names after we ran through those games more, more or less. And then we did, of course, a cross-check if these are available, um, um, like if the domains are available, if there are any um, conflicts with other trade names. And so I think Belintic wasn't in the top three. I can't remember exactly. It was, actually was not in the top list. And I, I'm not 100% I'm not sure what was the final final decision-making um, event that, that led us to take Berlintic, but we thought it's nice because we have Berlin, it's B-E, Linker, it's actually in, in Berlin, it's, it's with an Y, which is just, you know, some style thing. <laughs> and also tech, technology, we heard, we thought, okay, everyone is tech in the end, so we just change it a little bit to T-I-C, tick. And so it's, it's a little... It's Berlin Linker Technologies, but but in a very um, yeah, and, and you and you won't believe how many domains are already taken from names that you think that impossible that someone came up with this before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, but I think we're we're pretty happy with the name, right? So yeah. I think yeah, it, it it actually does exactly what we wanted to do it's just a name and it sounds good as a name and it, it doesn't connect us to any, some some specific market or or field of application it's it's a broad name and, and it will open up new doors for us maybe in the future as well i think so i think yeah having a unique name that's also um you know when i first saw it i was like wait how do i say it how you know like i had to think a little bit about it so i agree i think it's it was it's great honestly it's it's a good um a way to have a, a brand so it's very nice um tell me a little bit about about valentic you know so what um your technology and sort of the the business model that you have yeah so uh so what we have developed is a new um linker based based method to um, let's say purify peptides that's the main main idea so in general the status quo and and the most well established technology to purify peptides is by chromatography means usually hpoc but also maybe flash chromatography and um, so yeah to be honest that in our t time when we worked with peptides we had a lot of experience with these uh, kind of chromatography devices and we always thought that it would be really great to have alternatives at hand that would allow for different 
um, kind of approaches, for instance, to work more rapidly, like to have a very rapid parallel working technology at hand. And the way to um, accomplish this is, is, is very difficult by chromatography, where you always have a certain, you run a flow um, of a, um, a gradient of solvents um, through a column and uh, try to separate the compounds. But this is hardly impossible in, 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 in high parallel parallelity. So um, I th that's where we came up with the concept of using chemical-based methods, which allows us to work in reactors. And um, so this is, in principle, what the main idea was to offer new ways that are totally different to what's out there to, to purify peptides in the end. And um, nowadays, we also initiate a lot of pro uh, um, and projects where some other benefits become also obvious of our technology, where, uh, for instance, the complexity of peptides nowadays of, of modern drugs becomes quite uh, difficult to manuf for manufacturing sometimes. You have um, um, uh, some, some kind of uh, conjugates to, let's say, PEC groups or lipidations, sometimes multiple unnatural amino acids that really complicate the manufacturing and purification process. And, and one of the nice benefits of our technology is that it's a one-size-fits-all method. So it's, it's rapid. I just do the scheme that I know for every single peptide that's out there. I just apply it and I get a certain results out of it and I have to, don't have to cope with solubility of my probe or other problems that, uh, or pooling and fractioning of, uh, like it's uh, usual after HPC. So it's like a, a one-size-fits-all method based on chemistry. So that's like the, the key. And can you walk through that process the, of the actual peptide easy clean or, or PEC technology? Uh, you can talk a little bit about the chemistry and, and the, the steps. And I will say, before you get into that, the website has fantastic videos. You have a lot of really, really great information on the website. Um, so anyone who wants to go actually see like nice cartoons of what um, you're about to describe chemically, it, it's on the website. So uh, yeah, just maybe walk through that process. And the principle is that in, in solid phase peptide um, synthesis, uh, one amino acid is attached after the other in a building block fashion. And we are able to block unreacted couplings. So if a coupling is incomplete, um, instead of elongating an incomplete, like a, a, a chain where one amino acid is missing, one could block this particular um, um, site um, at, the, at the solid phase resin. So that in the end, only the full length peptide would have uh, available end terminals to couple the linker, a linker molecule um, to the peptide. So that in the end, after you, uh, the peptide is cleaved from the solid phase um, uh, uh, resin, um, you have a crude material where you have all kind of so-called capped or N-terminally acetylated uh, truncations inside and the full length sequence equipped with a linker molecule at the end terminus. And um, once you have this crude material, you, we can solubilize the crude and for this we can take organic solvents that are really well in solubilizing even very hydrophobic peptides such as HFIP, hexafluoroisopropanol, which is a really good solubilizer, or DMSO, for instance. Solubilize the peptides and uh, put them on a, um, in a reactor. 
in, in, in which we have uh, um, agarose beads, which uh, sit there. They are chemically modified uh, with functional groups, aldehydes. And our linker molecule is, has a site that selectively reacts uh, with these aldehyde groups on, on, on the resin. So once we throw the peptide linker conjugate on the solid support, it binds covalently. And this is a big difference to um, chromatography, um, where the peptide would interact with the solid stationary phase. Um, so we bind the peptide covalently to the solid support, which allows us to wash out all kinds of acetylated truncations or other synthetic dirt. And finally, cleave the linker molecule in a traceless fashion with very mild stimulus. It's a reductively cleavable linker. So we're using a very common chemical in the lab of peptide chemists called DTT. And um, so this will then in the end uh, uh, cleave the linker molecule and release the peptide um, very mildly uh, after this um, washing process that has been carried out. And uh, by this we can, without the need of machines, work in regular SPPS reactors to generate um, purified peptides. So um, a couple questions around that then are, where do you see this technology fitting in in the scheme of from discovery to manufacturing? I think the, <clears throat> one of the uh, nice parts of our technology actually fits into each step of the um, value chain because um, first, as Oliver mentioned, we can run the purification in parallel. So we use, for example, 96 well plates that can be handled in, in, in liquid handling devices. So we can do this in an automated fashion and create very fast um, libraries of purified peptides. So let's say the moment a drug developer has maybe 200, 300 potential leads in hand, which is a common number, I would say, after first screening program, we can run them all, put it like this. So one could really work with the whole pool of potential peptide leads. It doesn't, one does not have to uh, stick to 10 or 20 because otherwise it will get very, very, um, lots of workload uh, with chromatography. So this is the first step. Uh, during the, let's say, drug development chain where we could work in parallel. Then uh, one step before the cleavage of the linker, we have a situation in which the unprotected peptide is loaded on the agarose covalently. And that's a very, it's a sweet spot, so to say, because to this moment you can run modifications. So you have not only a purification method, but optional modification step. At this point, we can do lipidations, regulations, dye couplings, all the simple chemistry, but also the difficult ones, cyclizations, disulfide formation. So the whole variation of possible um, modifications that are needed, and that's the second step, during the lead optimization step. So we work in parallel. We can integrate a modification to speed up the whole initial hit to lead and lead optimization cycle because it's all coming from one technology. You basically need the pick linker and to run it and certain machines and devices, it depends on how you want to set it up in the end. And then we call this design for manufacturing 
because it's, let's say, our intention to make um, developers work with the best possible drug. That is, regardless of the complexity, um, we can generate with our technology. We can also scale it up. And you will still benefit from the features of tech as it saves lots of organic solvents. It's easily scalable in, in available SPPS reactors. So you can basically use the tech technology along the whole value chain, speed up the process initially, work with the best possible drug with complex modifications assisted by PEC. And then even you are able to use it in the upscaling. So there's no decision from which point you need to switch or now have a complex PEC-made peptide, but then you need to switch to chromatography and come back to the problems you had before. So you can, you can basically use it along the whole value chain. All right. A couple of things um, that uh, popped in my mind. I love the, the, the post-modification utility of it for especially saving on very expensive reagents, so different fluorophores and, and other modifiers. Like you said, I thought that's awesome because then you're not trying to do the, the um, sort of the crude peptide being modified. It's just the one peptide that you're going to go forward with. Um, also, I know, you know, I've read uh, a publication of yours in the new antigen space. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how it fits in there. Yeah, I can go. Um, so in new antigens, of course, we have a very special situation, right? So you have um, a patient that needs a set of peptides very fast. So there is a sample taken and there is some genome sequencing and you get a prediction, you get a set of 20 nowadays, also sometimes more than 20, like 100, depends, of peptides that are individually selected for this patient to trigger a T-cell response against the cancer. Now, these 20 peptides are unique for each patient, for each dose. That is, um, you need to manufacture them very quickly, but of course, you administer it to your patients, so you need to comply with the regulatory rules that, that needs to be um, 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 applied, of course, because it's injected into a, into a person. So you need to be fast and you need to get high quality, but you have every time a different set of peptides. So it's a very, very challenging situation. And as it takes sometimes years to develop one regulatory process for a single API, you need to do this in four weeks for a set of 20. So it's a very complex situation. But also here we see a huge benefit of our technology because as Oliver already mentioned, we have kind of one size fits all, or one method fits all um, technology. So what you can do is you take those 20 peptides, you run a standardized synthesis procedure and PEC has one nice feature as it sele chemoselectively isolates the peptide from its group. Even if you have a bad synthesis, you will grab your product out of it. So if you start with a scale that's sufficient enough, you will always end up with your product in a purified form, and then you check on the purity. Sometimes with this catch and release methods, the purity will not be 95% right away. That's like the, 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 the um, status quo right now. But then you can perform a subsequent polish and what we learned from customers who have already used this technology for neoadjuvant manufacturing is they would always use PEC as a first 
technology to purify and then run subsequent polish. But because you get, you always get a product, you don't have to do resynthesis, it saves you a lot of time. And second, this pre-purified product is typically much better soluble than a crude. So also the subsequent HPLC step is much more reliable. So our customers right now benefit from a reliability to deliver the peptide set in a given amount of time without having the risk or at least with the minimized risk of resynthesis or of complex or issues during the solubilization step. So that's why the combination here in the new entity space between our PEC technology and classical chromography is a perfect match to have a highly reliable manufacturing route, even for many peptides, every time different ones in a very short time. We're now at, let's say, three to four weeks still, if we combine both, but our intention, of course, is to improve on our technology to be a standalone feature or a technology for purification. Then we'll really end up in a single-day purification scenario because it takes us one day, basically, to purify 20 to 24 peptides in different scales or also on elevated scales. But, yeah, right now there's a combination, which is still beneficial, but in the future, one hopefully does only need uh, an automated PEC purification to be ready to go in one day. So um, for your, your business model, I kind of asked about this uh, before, you have, so you have the platform technology, the, the PEC, the Peptide Easy Clean, but you've also started your own research programs. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yes. So our business model is that, uh, in principle, that everyone that works with peptides has access to our technology. Now, we are coming, uh, as a very small company, we are coming to a quite conservative market. So we are trying out uh, different things, actually, to, to really get acceptance uh, by the market, let's say. So we are, we. We, of course, we try to work together with uh, companies, try to establish feasibility projects, integrations, and um, to really make aware that PEC is a viable option, that they can be trusted yeah, a lot of, to create a lot of data. And one way to do this is also to, to run a development project on our own. And this is actually what we are doing in, in, in a field where... Um, uh, peptides find use is, uh, is the field of immunotherapy. And uh, so this is where we uh, were recognized by a very great program here in Germany to, to work on, on challenges in the context of viral diseases, where we use our PEC technology to make really great or potentially great drugs that have been uh, proven to be manufactured very difficulty uh, by with many difficulties in the past. So this is our approach to go forward here as well. Great. Are there also applications in um, you know the field of protein therapeutics? Have you started sort of thinking about expanding um, into that area? Yeah, maybe you already have, and I don't know about it. Yeah, no, no. This is uh, this is really uh, a really interesting field for us, of course. And also a field where uh, linker-based methods are already more uh, established in some way or another. I think our, 
our linker technology is has been designed for solid phase peptide chemistries. So that's really how they are made. They, they withstand the TFA cleavage, can be cleaved later on by a very mild stimulus. So what we are currently uh, doing is, a, is, is kind of a, in the hybrid field where we are looking at peptide drug conjugates. This can be peptide antibody conjugates, peptide protein conjugates, and so on and so forth, because then we, the linker can be attached to a, a, a peptide, which can then further be attached and purified to whatever molecule you would like to, whether it be an antibody, a recombinant protein, um, or a small molecule, depends. Maybe one thing that we, <clears throat> by ourselves, experience almost every day is that we started off with this blinker as a purification blinker. Um, but in the end, we found the feature of the on-resin on modification, for example. And we learned and we had one project already in which we used the linker also to modify proteins. Because this concept of covalently capturing something on, the, on, on a solid phase after SPPS, and then having full control of doing several chemistries at this point, before um, cleaving the final product from the resin offers many, many, many um, um, options. So the antibody drug conjugate field or protein modification field is one, but we also learned how we can do those different modifications. Um, now, for example, what we're exploring is also to run um, purifications in which we do not even um, precipitate after solid phase peptide synthesis because we can directly take the crude and load it on the agarose. So there are lots of many more possibilities to come with this linker because it's robust. We have it in this important information for some of the listeners. We can provide it in kilogram scales. So it's not an R&D tool. It's something that is made for industrial scale. Of course, we apply it with, everyone can use it. We have lots of um, academic customers who do very interesting and, and, and exciting things with the PEC linker. And it's also important to, to explore new ways of using it. But also when it comes to the manufacturing of larger scales, it can be done with the linker as we, as we have it in, in larger scales. So there are so many innovations coming out of this innovation already. And it's uh, also one of the, let's say, fascinating things that for us, we're all scientists by training. Uh, now we became entrepreneurs or, or founders and, and running the company, but still, I think it, it drives our enthusiasm to, to see also what we can do next with the technology. And there's so much more than just the purification. Um, and that's maybe one of those uh, possibilities um, that you mentioned with the protein modification, for example. Yeah. You know, even thinking about uh, something you said earlier of using the, the PEC technology and then HPLC as a polish, thinking back to the manufacturing scale where, you know, the, you run a, a large column and you've got fractions that sort of the hydrophilic and hydrophobic fractions on the, you know, the side of the main peak that do have your peptide that you can either combine those and re-purify them by HPLC, or you could maybe just take that big chunk 
that's mostly pure peptide and run that into PEX. You could almost flip it on its head either way, right? To use, use the yeah. technology prior or after. So, um, if, if someone wants to try uh, the technology in their lab, what's the easiest way just to go to your website? Do you have kits? Do you have um, like so, where they could just sort of cheaply try it out to start? Maybe one thing that, because you're asking, we're asking for the business model. So the nice part is you basically need our pet linker. But that's the core. Of course, we have the agarose, which is a modified agarose, and it's not, um, it, you can more or less, it's a custom-made um, um, resin, so you basically need two things. But the core uh, is the pack linker. So you can get the pack linker from us in the form of kits. They're provided with reagents and consumables. You can get, let's say, manual handling, vacuum chambers, or also from us. Um, you can, we, we, we can also just sell the pet linker itself in, in terms of like supply agreements with customers who want to purchase it on a regular basis. And um, on top, we also offer for people who do not have the in-house synthesis, we offer the services to run the PEC process ourselves and provide the customer with the PEC peptide, so to say in order to give them the chance to make uh, a first experience also if the peptide itself is, um, um, is adequate for their essay for the drug development program. And then what happens then is if it comes to larger scales, we have partners who can do um, the PEC process in larger scales. So the transition from R&D to larger scale is, is always given. Mm -hmm. um, either from us or then later um, from our partners. Yeah, so I think that's really important to see that you could profit from our technology either if you're a peptide maker yourself or if you're a peptide user. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I've asked you guys several questions. Do you have any, is there something that maybe I left out? We didn't actually, we didn't really talk about limitations. There are a lot of really great things about PEC, but what, what do you find are some of the limitations and are you working to overcome those? Yeah, uh, yeah, like, I mean, with every technology, there's always uh, limitations. So um, if you ask me what one limitation is that it's probably difficult for, to be a standalone method for API-grade peptides, and, um, or API-grade peptides of, let's say, 99% purity plus, because in the manufacturing process, there are always some um, uh, impurities generated that cannot be removed by a catch-and-release-based method per se. So this is um, for sure. However, I think we've come quite far to cope with this in order to identify also, let's say, very good tricks in order to avoid this, uh, these kind of reactions as, as, as good as, as possible. But this, there remains a limitation when it comes to final purity of the, of the product, let's say. Or may I add something here? Yeah. Because the status quo, however, for all API grades, is you would basically never, um, you can, basically not rely on a single um, purification one anyway. That's right. It's also a mind 
thing because if you want to have 95, 99%, maybe in all of the cases you will have to do at least two chromatographic runs. Yeah. You always go for an orthogonal way. You start with, I don't know, an exchange and then go for a reverse phase polish or you have two reverse phase with different elements or gradients. So basically, we it's not a problem per se. It's just here, too, we would couple our technology with chromatography. So instead of using two HPLCs, you can run with a truly orthogonal application yeah. um, method and combine those two in order to get more reliable to your target purity, in fact. So, but yeah, I mean, that's something we also try to, you know, convince the people in the market that this is, it's the case. We've shown a lot of times that we can achieve very high purities with this um, combination. We recently published an article about lyroglutide, for example, um, a manufacturing in which we did this in, in a, in a but we showed the PEC purification, at least as a, let's say, pre-purification before the HPLC polish can happen, for example. Um, on other cases, we have, we have shown that this works. Um, but yeah, people are used to HPLC, and, but they will also use two HPLC. That's what I, I wanted to add to, to, to Oliver's point, because one HPLC also won't do the 95, 99% in a single run. So yeah. that's the limitation that we share with other cryptographic <laughs> methods. Um, and then when you combine it, you actually have a better chance to get to your purity, uh, even if you work with complex peptides, because then you can, again, take advantage of the chemoselective features. Yeah. Maybe one other limitation that's quite or is that uh, our linker molecule is installed at the end terminus of the peptide. So if you're working with internally modified peptides, you can also install the linker maybe at a side chain of a lysine or so, but the maximal profit you'll get if, if from the purification um, effect if the linker sits on the N-terminal. So that's, that's maybe a limitation also. Sure. Or an N-terminal lysine. <laughs> As yeah, as yeah, then, then you have more options, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, okay. Were you going to say something, Dom? Nope. Oh. Nothing to add here. <laughs> <laughs> I think something that, you know, so I've spoken with uh, like Rodney Lax and um, Lender Bendenboss from NZTAG and then Tina Bobel and Andrew Roller, where we talked about biocatalysis and Arla's bios technology for um, developing tryptophan um, analogs is that the, the limitation, sort of to your point, is, is not so much the technology, but the outlook or the perception and the ability of a very conservative community to change um, what they're doing and, and the process and, and the way of thinking. So, you know, yeah. it, that, it's a common thread. Um, and I feel peptides have already faced that, like, their whole existence, right? Like, peptides have mm -hmm. always sort of been this, like, no, really... Yeah. We're, we're great molecules, we can do drug-like, we can, we can be in this space. And so, um, and that's, that's certainly been changing over the years, the perception of peptides. And so, so it can happen, perceptions can change. Um, yeah. You know, so I'm hopeful for that. Um, I, I, start, I asked you guys a question and then I asked you another question. My, my first question was, was there something that you wanted to add to the conversation, something that I missed? I think, yes. Like Peptides are a unique, um, is, is, 
how to explain this. As peptides are a synthetic challenge by themselves. If there is, if, if you look into a drug development program with peptides, the, the people who manufacture the peptide will have an equally difficult and challenging time than the developers running their essays, right? Because if you look for RNA or so, you have basically from macroscopic point of view, or you basically have the same compound, you just change the sequence, right? So that's why you can purify uh, um, oligonucleotides very rapidly because you use the same method for all of them. They're, to the machine, they look the same. Um, but with peptides, you change one amino acid and the whole thing is becoming a nightmare. And I mean, <laughs> that's also, I mean, that also, this is what the community shares, right? So the people who work with peptides must be passionate uh, because otherwise, <laughs> you know, they will get frustrated very fast. So it's part of the, the work to, to, to play with all the techniques available. And we consider our technology as an ideal tool here because for all those things, uh, the MZ um, um, PEP technology or other technologies that emerge, also new green synthesis approaches, um, the trend towards those complex conjugates, everywhere we see a fit, with our technology. It's like a glue that combines also different technologies and possibilities like NCL on the, um, um, on, on the solid face. If you want to go for very, very long peptides, those complex modifications, combine proteins with, with, um, with peptides. Also to just cope with the need for a high throughput manufacturing of peptides in a purified form. So at so many stages along the value chain, there are many, many challenges to be solved. And PEC won't be the solution for everything, but it will help to also combine those technologies and to work with the toolbox. And it's not an either or question if you work with PEC, it's like use it and you open up a completely new portfolio of possibilities to work with the best possible drug. It's, this is what we want to, uh, um, as a value proposition, so to say, for the customers or for the, for the, or the, the, the peptide users, as Oliver said it, um, that they don't have to you know, make um, compromises in using not ideal peptide because it's otherwise not manufacturable. So it should always be the goal to work with the best possible drug as fast as possible. And I think or we think that PEC is an ideal tool to do that um, for all the people, peptide makers and peptide users. Thank you, Oliver. I, I love that two words. <laughs> yeah, and in the end, I think it's, it always boils down to three major things, which is doability or manufacturability, speed, and costs. And I think our technology can add value to all of these three critical points that people in the peptide field deal with. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that I'm most excited about these days is all this technology that really allows um, people to be super innovative in their, in their molecular design. So to, you, to your point that, that we don't have to have just the, you know, the plain Jane, uh, not that they're bad, but the natural amino acids and linear sequences that, that we can now look at a target and say, I can do whatever it takes to engage that target because I'm going to be able to handle that, that molecule in the end. 
Um, so that's what I'm really excited about these days. Uh, and I always like to ask people on the show sort of what you're, you know, hopeful for and what you're excited for in the in the coming years. Um, so maybe just Oliver, you're actually on my screen right now as my my speaker view. So I'll ask you first what you're what you're most excited and hopeful for for uh, the next coming years. So actually, I really share this this passion of yours because I think that's also one of the big biggest differentiators that we as chemists can add in the in the field uh, compared to the biological processes recombinant peptides or proteins is that we can increase or en enhance pharmacological properties, stability, and and you name it by playing around on the peptide structure and um, all these techniques like stapling peptides, fixing uh, helical structures or uh, lipid lipidating them to make them cell penetratable or you name it is, is really exciting. I, I read a lot of literature, what kind of uses these uh, kind of peptides have and, and, and our our part can be that these molecules can be produced in a more easy way, maybe even in high throughput uh, stapling, staple peptides or so on. So this, this gets me really excited to help in this aspect. Dominic, how about you? Um, yeah, I think what makes me most excited is the development actually in the, in the discovery area. So especially with artificial intelligence that's coming up and which especially in combination with peptides, provides such a rich pool of possible new drugs. And I think this is where we hook in with our technology already, right? Because this is always what I thought. There are so many leads that will come up by design, either from biological display technologies or even from venom um, um, analysis or from simply calculating, simulating using artificial intelligence. But if you end up with this rich pool of peptides and then you, what to do next? And I always thought, okay, it, it, we must keep the, 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 the um, how to say, we need to make the, the throughput as big as possible to, you know, make advantage of this huge potential and not cut down the number of, of leads we follow because of some manufacturing issue. And the same thing counts for the complexity of the best possible drug. We should not, um, 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 you know, make compromises here. So that's why I think technology fits in very nicely. And I hope that we can show that also with our technology, there are more peptide drugs entering clinical stages and finally get approved later on. And that, that makes me uh, excited to see that hopefully in the, in the future. Awesome. So something I did notice um, is that you both know quite a bit about the manufacturing process now. Uh, is that from you know, using different resources or is that just from being um, in collaboration with, with manufacturing companies? Can you tell me how, how did you gain all of this knowledge? Probably the latter, I would say, mainly. So getting involved into more and more projects. I mean, also along, along the development chain or value chain of the pharmaceutical industry, we were able at least to, to get, let's say, further from the, a lot of discovery projects, also to, to hit to lead projects. And uh, so we, we gain more and more experience in the fields. And um, now even... We have very good uh, 
let's say, um, we, are, we are working our way into the GMP space. That's the, the biggest hurdle, I would say, for, for us. Uh, but it's, I think, something that we are on a very good way um, to even enter this highly regulated space with our um, product. And uh, so that's, we're, we're learning on the, by our customers, let's say, mainly. That's to answer your questions. Okay, great. Okay, maybe it's important yeah. to say that, like, we do use PET ourselves and we provide also, like, peptide services just to show how we can and what type of peptides we can do in which, you know, time scale. But our intention is to, if it comes to manufacturing, we want to um, make manufacturers be able to use PET. So that's, that's where it ultimately leads to, and those people have the most experience with manufacturing also they need to comply with their rules with their quality management so it's difficult to you know provide um, them from our perspective being uh, um, more in the development innovation yes. field to provide them you know this is how you're gonna do it of course, we learn now and we have to, and we are dealing with the three requirements that we have to meet, right? So our linker needs to have a certain quality. We're taking, we're making sure we have business continuity so that customers who start using our technology can use them for a long time, right? So it's not a, not something that just happens to be there because we're a startup. And, and so we take care of all these things. Um, and try to convince the manufacturers also that that PEC is is worth using also for a standard peptide because you save a lot of solvents. You want to be, become green. PEC is one of the first options you should use in terms of, of downstream um, processes, right? So, um, but in the end, every manufacturer has its own specialty, its own scales in which they work in their own, let's say, type of peptides they typically target. So there is always a part of, of customization of the PEC technology for the big API projects. But also we offer like services to create manufacturing process on the small scale that we already try to adapt scalability, look at the solvents, look at the, the, the um, economies that we have for each of those steps. Um, and try to provide also reactors in the smaller scale that can be scaled up easily. And, and, and we don't have to do everything ourselves. That's a good point. I mean, we have our little space. That's the linker, the materials that we provide, and we can provide them in very high purity. But if it comes to the processes, the custom and customers of the CDMOs that will ultimately carry out the project with our technology can really handle these, let's say, highly regulated processes. And we've shown this, like this is already happening. So that's why we're pretty confident that, that uh, this can be, this will happen much more often in the future. And then tech won't be an innovation anymore. That's been one of the goals. It should be a new standard. Um, because then, yeah, peptide makers and users will profit. And that's, I think, that, that drives us right now. Awesome. Perfect. All right. Well, um, is there anything else you want to add? Because otherwise, I think I'd love to end it on a very positive note that uh, the PEC will become a standard. 
that's, that's a good point to end. The good end. All right. Well, thank you both for, for your time um, and all the resources you sent. The links, those will be in the description so folks can follow up with all the resources that you have on the websites, your workshops, your webinars, all of that will be, will be listed. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Exploration Science. As always, we welcome your feedback and also your suggestion for topics that you'd like to see covered. If you enjoy this episode, please like and share with your community. Thanks again for tuning in.